0: Welcome to the Wordy Girl Entertainment Podcast. I am your writer-in-chief, Rosalind Jackson. I am a lover of words, and that love led me to a passion for writing. And what's the next best thing to writing? Talking about writing. So kick back and join me for mind-blowing chats about writing covering everything from screenplays to novels to poetry, from non-fiction books to songwriting, and much more. Jason Edmonds is a music producer and entrepreneur who spent his early days in Indianapolis developing his musical interests. Both sides of his family are highly musical. His mother's side was very active in gospel, and his father and uncles were local performers who are now recognized as his uncle Kenny Babyface Edmonds, and after seven, made up of his uncle Kevon Edmonds and his father Melvin Edmonds. At 19 years old, Jason signed his first publishing deal with Edmonds Entertainment and soon began writing songs for Whitney Houston, Boyz II Men, Green Day, Tyrese, Babyface, Tank, John B., Scarface, Janae Eichel, and many more. During these early years, Jason signed the largest record deal offered to a new artist by Interscope Records. Next, Jason set his sights on artist management. His first clients under Stampede Management were Macy Gray and Layla Hathaway. Between 2018 and 2020, Jason and his business partner, Michael Williams, formed Williams Edmonds Media and Omnis, a virtually integrated media player with live streaming and on-demand capabilities. They launched their first live streaming concert event from the home of Teddy Riley, featuring Blackstreet. They also produced in-home concerts for Snoop Dogg, Tank, Keith Sweat. Brian McKnight Melissa Etheridge and more welcome to the wordy girl entertainment podcast today we are speaking with singer songwriter Jason Edmonds hey Jason
1: hey what's up Ross how are you
0: (laughs) good and you good and you
1: very good
0: (laughs) thank you so much for talking with me I'm so excited to have you on the podcast.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I was kind of shocked that you asked me, but I'm humbled <laughs> and uh, more than willing to always support my friends. And uh, <laughs> good that you're doing it. Thanks for considering me.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, mostly, I do. I've been doing, you know, TV and film um, interviews, but mm-hmm. my podcast is also centered around music writing. But I hadn't interviewed like anybody musical yet until I interviewed mm-hmm. Brains last week. Um, Okay. And so I said, yeah, I need to really start getting into um, more interviews involving people who do uh, songwriting and things like that. And so Mm -hmm. once I interviewed brains, that uh, made me start thinking of all the guys that were at the building, all the, um, you know, uh, (laughs) and everything. And I was like, let me ask Jason, (laughs) see if he would be, uh, you know, happy to do it. (laughs) yeah so thank you
1: yeah yeah Yeah. definitely appreciate it of
0: course (laughs) yeah so as i mentioned in your intro you grew up in a musical family starting in the church getting that good gospel foundation and then your father Mm -hmm. and uncles Mm -hmm. later became the music legends we know as um singer-songwriter babyface and r&b group after seven And um, Mm -hmm. for you, for you young millennials out there that don't know, you know, who after seven is, you know, they consisted of Melvin Edmonds, Jason's father, uh, Kevon Edmonds, his uncle, and Keith Mitchell. Was was Keith a relative or no?
1: Very close family friend.
0: Oh, okay. And then you joined the group in 2016, but we'll get into that, you know, a little bit later. And um, so also yeah. just wanted to, you know, give my condolences on the passing of your father.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. And so, um, yeah. And so after seven was the quintessential R&B group. They were all about the love songs and the the, the baby making music. <laughs> and so some of my favorites were, um, you know, the hits Ready or Not and Can't Stop. So those, those are like two of my favorites. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: So what was it like growing up in such a musically gifted family?
1: (laughs) Well, um, very, very, um, I mean, inspiring is probably the best word. I Mm -hmm. mean, at every turn, somebody was always singing, (laughs) um, playing an instrument, you know, Mm -hmm. and they all sang and played better than I did. So (laughs) it was it was fun growing up. Uh, I had, you know groups of my own that I had formed in Indianapolis with, uh, go, with some friends that are still doing it today and um, kind of started my career off the best way I can, just kind of bootstrapping my own musical career. And then I came to Los Angeles in, in uh, 97, 1997, mm-hmm. lived with my dad while he was still in the group while I began songwriting and things like that. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was, it was like I was kind of trained to do music in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in my forties now, I've realized that um, that can mean a lot of different things. That can mean singing. That can mean writing or producing. It can mean um, you know production and, and film and television. And mm-hmm. because it's all it's all musically inclined and oriented right. in a way, right. you know, <clears throat> they're all tied in together. So exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, um, so then you started out professionally first as um, a songwriter, correct? professionally no actually well let's see
1: in in the order i guess what makes you a professional right what makes Mm -hmm. you a professional is when you sell something (laughs) you know right right (laughs) so i i've been songwriting all along growing up Mm -hmm. you know obviously very unprofessionally but um (laughs) kenny actually gave me my first publishing deal Mm -hmm. uh right before i got my first record deal so i was signed i was signed to Edmonds entertainment slash emi Mm-hmm. Uh, at a publishing company uh, and publishing deal in 99 but then in 2000 I signed a pretty substantial new artist deal at, at Interscope
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, with a group called After 7 as an artist. Yeah. So I don't know what you would consider more professional than the other but they kind of started <laughs> at the same time.
0: Oh okay okay and so when you first started when you, when you got your publishing deal what were some of the projects you started working on first?
1: it was really kind of just kind of right trying to write on the project that yab yum had at the time yab yum mm-hmm. was tracy 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 edmonds's uh, label that she mm-hmm. ran and they had artists like john b and lorne and beverly crocker mm-hmm. i think her last name was and there some other acts too that were in development and you know it was just a matter of just trying to get on where you could get on you mm-hmm. know and mm-hmm. write with everybody and John John Robinson was up there a lot and we used to write together a lot. And mm-hmm. actually I kind of co AR' the Beverly Project with him. And if you call if you will, if you will, I selected songs with him and
2: oh, okay. kind of helped
1: help the process along. He was definitely the more of the A and R, but I mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I'm able to say I made some decisions. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now did you ever yeah. did you ever um, write anything with um with Brains and the other um, writers on the publishing label? Man,
1: Yes. Now, what did we write together? I don't even know if Brains could tell you either because <laughs> we were we were together every single day, uh-huh. and I know we wrote on a bunch of stuff together, but mm-hmm. I don't think we did anything major together, which is you know unfortunate because we spent so much time mm-hmm. together. But right. hey, it's never too late, Brains. If you're listening, let's get it
0: in. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Make those connections. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so you wrote songs for people like Whitney Houston. Boys to Men, Tyrese, John B., as you said. Um, yeah. What was it like working for big groups like that or big names like that?
1: Well, see, the thing is, is that, you know, you never, when it's hard, in terms of my class of writing, like mm-hmm. with, with Kenny, he'll know who he's writing for. Uh-huh. You know, he'll, he'll, he's built the credibility to be able to write specifically for somebody and they're going to mm-hmm. get the song and nine times out of 10, they're going to love it. Mm-hmm. The rest of the world <laughs> kind of just writes a song, mm-hmm. and then you might write with someone in mind. Like if you hear a track or something inspires you that reminds you of a particular artist, and it turns mm-hmm. out that that particular artist is is actually recording right now, working on an album, you might have a sense of direction. But I will say that the Whitney song and the Boys to Men song, out of all the other credits I have, were probably the only two songs. That I wrote that were actually for the artist uh, okay. that it landed on. Mm-hmm. And partially because of Kenny, uh-huh. um, he wrote the song that I did the music on with uh, Nate Walton and Tavia for Whitney. He wrote the lyrics for her. So that was a direct tie in. And then for Boys to Men, I wrote my songs with Juan Ye. So okay. that's how those happen. But everything else is just a crapshoot. You just kind of just point you mm-hmm. know, in a direction that you want and mm-hmm. hope it lands on something.
0: Oh, okay. Now, which which song was that for uh, Whitney Houston and Boys to Men?
1: Well, the Whitney song was called "Try It on My Own."
0: Okay. Um,
1: yep. Yeah, and that was a concept Kenny and Carol Basager came up with on the phone while we were all sitting there. They literally wrote the song while we were sitting there on the phone. Oh. Wow. And um, yeah, it was nuts how he did it. He <laughs> was like, he was like, yeah, I really like what you guys because Nate, Nate, Tavia, and myself had written another song, and. Went to play it for Kenny, uh, for Whitney, but he didn't really like the subject matter. He was like, uh, "Let me, you mind if I call Carol and kind of work some lyrics?" And they mm-hmm. rewrote the whole song right in front of us in like ten minutes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was biz- it was bizarre.
0: That it is major bizarre. talent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he's okay. got it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and what was the uh, boys to men song?
1: It was called "Loving You." Um,
0: okay.
1: I can't remember what album it was on. It was some time ago now but yeah it's called loving you and i wrote it with Wanye, and it was an incredible we wrote three or four songs together so i still have some in reserve i may try to bring back to life one day
0: Mm -hmm. okay yeah so what is your your process for writing a song like when you when you you know you're gonna either you have somebody in mind like you said or you just wake up in the morning and say i want to write a song today like when you get that, Mm -hmm. that feeling, what do you do? Like, what's, how do you start? Or, you know, what's your whole process?
1: You know, the truth is, is I've never had a process. Um, (laughs) It's just always, you kind of go with what you feel. You know, Mm -hmm. if you know, you know, you're going to the studio, you know, Mm -hmm. any, any writer or producer knows that about his day. He just, it's a matter of what time and through the flow of the day, you kind of, figure out who it is you're writing for. Unless you wake up with a purpose, with a project to write for, and then you set out to write it. In those, in those instances, you do. You, you show up at the studio at, 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 on a certain time, mm-hmm. you sit down and you either come up with a track first to kind of cr- create the vibe of whatever artist you're, you're shooting for. Um, or for me, it, it's really about the subject matter. Mm-hmm. And trying to come up with a concept that the artist hasn't said before mm-hmm. and that maybe I haven't said before. It's something new and fresh that you can kind of uh, formulate a story off of. Okay. And then you start the story process and then you write that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you play any instruments?
1: Yeah, I play uh, piano, um, mm-hmm. saxophone, and
0: drums too, mm-hmm. I guess
1: I could say, without drummers getting mad at me. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And the saxophone, I love That's That's actually one of my favorite musical instruments is a saxophone. Yeah, it's just
1: hard to make it's hard to be uh, successful as a sax player. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, uh, I did that. in. I did that in school and it was fun mm-hmm. and everything. But when I got to L.A., I was like, yeah, I don't see a sax player out here. I'm, I'm going to stick <laughs> with this piano thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, a uh, personal side note. I wanted to play the saxophone in school because I, I was in uh, the band in like junior high, and okay. I wanted to play the saxophone. But my brother talked to me out of it. He was like, "Girls don't play saxophones." So,
1: <laughs> so I ended
0: up playing the clarinet. So to this day, I, to this day, I tease him about that. I said, "You shot down my dream. I could have been a saxophone player.
1: <laughs> you could have been a great saxophone player. We had great saxophones. I was in the marching band too, and we uh-huh. had girls in our section and everything. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So going back to um, you being in After Seven, how did that come about?
1: Um, it was a process. Um, first, I started singing backgrounds for Kevin during his solo album uh, for Twenty Four Seven. He went on tour, and mm-hmm. I was singing backgrounds. Well, you know how the fans would have it you know anytime you're known as one thing and you go solo you're still going to have to perform some of the songs they know you from mm-hmm. and so uh somewhere in the middle of the tour he was like hey you think uh you think you might want to cover your dad's parts on on these songs as they mm-hmm. come up mm-hmm. and uh i remember the show it was chastain park in atlanta outdoor venue and uh that was my first time performing my dad's parts on uh on some of the stuff and so when when, the, when this album kind of ran its course and he was kind of getting back into the after seven mind, mindset,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, my dad was still a part of it. And he actually uh, was okay with me filling Keith Mitchell's spot mm-hmm. for a while. And, and I started being a member. So when you said in the beginning that since 2016, that's actually the first time we did an album together and it was actually 2015. Oh, but okay. the time when I actually joined the group had to be 2005 or 2006 and i've been oh, wow. trying to remember the year uh exactly but yeah i had i had taken kind of a fill in role early out uh-huh. and then in 2015 it was kind of if you will solidified uh, by being on an album as myself rather than being on stage filling in for somebody else
0: mhm mm-hmm. Oh, okay yeah yeah i didn't know it started that early that's amazing
1: mhm
0: Yeah. And so did you feel any sense of like, um, intimidation or, or fear, you know, stepping in, in the, in the shoes of your father?
1: Yeah, it was really hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was, it was, it was really hard. Um, Mm -hmm. my dad's an incredible singer. Yes. Um, he was, he was a singer's singer, Mm
0: -hmm. you know what Mm
1: -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, and I'm not, I'm a a stylist. I'm a guy who can, Mm -hmm. who can, work his vibe into almost anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Mm -hmm. i I appreciate my talent but i am not the kind of talent that my father was Mm -hmm. and singing his parts which Mm -hmm. required complete and just like all the soul you have Mm -hmm. to 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 come out um it it was a very hard task and i don't really know if i ever really did it justice but i did (laughs) what i did and i'm happy with
0: it yeah now how do you How do you think the um, the fans felt about you joining the group? Did you did you (laughs) get any slack on that, or do you feel like the fans welcomed (laughs) it? Um,
1: at first, definitely caught some slack. Mostly the slack. (laughs) See, the thing about black people is why I love black. (laughs) That's why I love us, right? (laughs) Because the thing is, is that they want to see who they want to see. But if you're (laughs) good, (laughs) they're gonna they're gonna mess with you. I want to say the f word. They're gonna (laughs) mess with you though. You know what I'm saying? They're going to mess with you by the end of the show. So what would happen is, is I would start the show, I would come out and I would get these looks like, who the hell is this dude standing up there? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I and I look like my dad. So I would get mm-hmm. this weird kind of side eye look. Like, right. wait a minute. But did he gain 50 pounds? Like, did, did, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? And then I would start singing. I definitely don't sound like him. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They're like, okay. But then by the end of the show, um... I think I got them I don't know Mm -hmm. some shows I did better than others you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was it was one of those things where you just you got to kind of force the authenticity Mm -hmm. and just be yourself and just go for whatever you can give them Mm -hmm. (laughs) right and hope they happy with it you know what I'm saying
0: (laughs) okay yeah Yeah. it it could be you you can run into one of those um Apollo moments (laughs) they yeah. boo you off the stage if you're not, if you don't come with what they want you to come with.
1: <laughs> Listen, and I can say this, and I, I, have to, I have to say, we have never been booed, thankfully. Oh, that's good. Thankfully. <laughs> never.
0: It was like, how never. can you boo those voices?
1: <laughs> well, yes. Kevon was going to give you quintessential Kevon-dependable mm-hmm. voice every single show. Mm-hmm. And so you mm-hmm. really can't boo, even if someone else on the stage isn't great. Right. You weren't going to boo because he was so good. Yes, so. yes.
0: He, he had, like, pitch-perfect voice. It's like, it, sound, it sounds mm-hmm. so crystal clear. Yes. And then, and then um, your father's voice, he had that smooth, velvety, like, crooner-type voice. So it yeah. gave, like, that, that, those rich complexities in the same song.
1: Yes, that's what the balance, that balance between the two of them was what everybody really fell in love with about mm. uh, After Seven. Mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. for sure
0: yeah, yeah yeah and so how do you feel about like how the music industry has changed like um what do you think about how it was back in the day like even just going back to the um the 90s like the heyday to now it's a completely different industry so what what do you feel about that or what so- what uh, changes have you noticed
1: Oh man. I mean if you if you've had your eyes open you've noticed all kind of changes. <laughs> um, I don't know where to start. I think I think ultimately um, you know music itself I think by its definition or by the axiom of music which is creativity it's going to change mm. regardless. Um, no matter how long of a similar sound exists in the market
2: mm-hmm. there's
1: going to be something very soon, and no one knows, no one can predict it, when something so fresh will hit the scene, mm-hmm. and then everything will sound like it for another point of time. right so music is going to change, and it has changed dramatically, mm-hmm. obviously, the internet and the 2004 crash and mm-hmm. um, uh, you know the the whole music industry crash is what I mean, mm-hmm. from Napster and Limewire and things like that. Um, the ability to make money from music changed dramatically
2: mm-hmm.
1: thusly did the creative process mm-hmm. because now you could put out a record and kind of like make no money you know And that in those days people were afraid to still spend you know fifty thousand on making a record or more i'm sorry that's a low amount they were mm-hmm. spending hundreds of thousands of dollars making a record and that became a very scary idea because then the record could be pirated and you can lose all your money. And labels just—they mm. lost their butts on a few things—and they were like, "Nope, we're not doing that. We have to update the technology to keep up with the flow of where the world is in the mm-hmm. in the business." So companies like Fruity Loops, companies like GarageBand, companies mm-hmm. like you know uh, Logic and and Pro Tools and those that had that had already existed started making heavier strides into becoming um, really kind of go-to programs for home studios. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and through that, people started releasing records more on a quantitative basis rather than qualitative okay. and trying to basically flood, flood the market, get, the, get their sound out there. And if it catches, you make money. If it doesn't, um, then you go, you know, you didn't really lose any money on it, right? Because mm-hmm, it didn't right. cost you as much to make. Right. Um, Same goes with music videos. People used to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on music videos. All they had to go away because, you know, on YouTube, you're not going to make but eighteen hundred (laughs) dollars for five million views. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that had to change. And so you spend less money and it becomes now a game of numbers rather than a game of um, quality and, Mm. and getting the best musicians on and getting. You know, you, before if you did a ballad, man, you you had to have the players on there, or it, it wasn't going nowhere. <laughs> you know, that's, that's uh, ballads really don't even exist like that anymore. So, right, you know, music changes, and mm-hmm. the business changes music, and vice versa.
0: Yeah, I miss the days of the the music videos and all that. It's just like it feels yep. like it feels like something's gone without the music video like you don't get that visual you don't get that connection between the artist and the song and you know and what 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 they're trying to portray on the screen and and just basically what they're what message they're trying to get across it's like that that's totally missing
1: these days it's now it's now really about okay that person put this message out and it worked let's do that
2: mm hmm mm hmm
1: Because it's easy to emulate Mm
2: -hmm.
1: any, 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 I hate to say it, but there's a lot of artists that could be really kind of any artist, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Just because they're not as unique as, you know, some of the older artists were or had to be even to get
0: noticed. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and speaking of like the, music being, you know, online and, and, you know, digital and everything you branched mm-hmm. into the online world, um, and mm-hmm. dealing with music. Um, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that. you created a company called music maven and you yes. have, um, Omnis, is that what it's called? Yes. That's and, right.
1: um, That's right.
0: Yeah. Tell us about those platforms and, and how they work.
1: So I think it should be said because you didn't actually ask this question. So mm-hmm. I'm, uh, at upon my exit from the group after seven after Mm -hmm. my father passed, Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of forced um, into concentrating on, you know, what would be my identifier now, Mm -hmm. you know, for a while I was known as that guy, you know, Mm -hmm. and now I have to be known as this guy. And I've got a family, I've got things in my life that are requiring me to um, stake my claim in this Mm -hmm. world. Right. And um, in doing that, working with some buddies who had some tech ideas um, and I joined them early out and ideated what is now uh, Music Maven mm-hmm. um, and that being a um, online kind of reporting apparatus. So like a sound scan or a billboard charting mm-hmm. or those other companies, we've joined the fight in giving artists daily reports on their streams and sales and revenue um, so that they don't have to wait for the reports to come out, which are weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other companies that do it. And we've joined a, a rat race, but we're, uh, we're carving out our identity in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, the other concept, Omnis, um, is a new platform for streaming concerts. Oh, okay. And uh, ironically, what happened was is when, um, I, you know, not sure if I should say but I was let go from after seven mm-hmm. and that summer actually we started working really heavily I pressed hard because it honestly it was one of the hardest times in my life and mm-hmm. my father passed you know mm-hmm. only a month prior to and I really had to put you know uh my my thinking cap on mm-hmm. and my hustle hat back on really more importantly right and omnis was a was a concept that my buddy Mike and I uh, it wasn't even called Omnis at the time, it was just a platform,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: we were trying to figure out ways to get people to get comfortable with streaming live from home, mm-hmm. or from wherever they are, instead of, you know, physical presence, and it hadn't really hit here in America. It existed in other places,
2: and mm-hmm.
1: he had done some shows in China and in Europe, and, you know, it was doing well and all this, and, but here, it really hadn't, like, hit yet, and then comes COVID.
0: Right. Look at us now.
1: <laughs> right. Right. So COVID was really, honestly, the catalyst for mm-hmm. us going to market. We we had just finished the build on the website and the mm-hmm. technology um, right before COVID hit, and mm-hmm. it was like it was almost like God just opened the doors. It was like here. Wow. And so in 2020, we did like 20 concerts. Mm-hmm. Oh with, wow! From Teddy Riley, The Key Sweat, and 112, mm-hmm. and Next, and... Ja- um, no, we didn't do Jack and Edge. We tried uh, a Tank, Brian mm-hmm. McKnight, Case, Bobby V. There was a bunch of shows we were doing. Eric Benet, Lettucey,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh Melissa Etheridge. Uh, you know, we did a bunch of different shows, mm-hmm. and um, it was a good time. We uh, we learned a lot. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool.
0: Did, did you guys um, do the... Um... The uh, the verses hook up with Teddy and Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi,
1: hi, hi.
0: So here's... do you want to claim that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> uh, uh, I may get in trouble for this one day, but I don't give a care. I don't give it. A... I'm trying not to cuss, Ross so I hope you appreciate that. I haven't cussed yet. But
0: oh, you can cuss uh, my my uh podcast is uh marked for
1: okay explicit okay.
0: language. <laughs> all right.
1: So all right, so That night, yes, (laughs) we were at Teddy's house. I wasn't there, though. I was here in L.A., Uh and my buddy Mike uh, was at Teddy's house. Now, there's two sides to this story. I wasn't there, so I can't confirm either, but (laughs) I will say that there were other influences in the room Uh that were trying to get Teddy to tie his battle into his whole system, Mm. right? They wanted to speak. They wanted... Kenny's voice to come out of the speakers of his room and that he would speak from through his microphone. If you notice, he had a microphone mm-hmm. and he was trying to get Instagram to basically align with his studio system.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: Instagram was never built for that. Mm. You know what I mean? It was just never built for that. And so um, he had technical difficulties. <laughs> uh, apparently my partner tried to talk him out of it. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's 100% true uh apparently there were some other friends of Teddy's around and Uh they tried to they tried they were apparently trying to talk him into it and Teddy was like I don't know what does Michael want to do and Mike said no but Teddy decided to go ahead and do it I don't know I don't know (laughs) but yes unfortunately we were a part of it
0: (laughs) (laughs) but it 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 wasn't really like a bad thing it was like it was it was a moment and it created like some some comic relief we needed at the right. time you know because everybody yeah. was on lockdown you know corona was new and
2: yeah you know, we yep. just needed
0: it and and then it just exploded with um black twitter and all the memes and stuff yeah. so i think it was yeah. i think it was a like a a, a beautiful moment because it, it you know it had that that unity um and that yeah. culture it was it was us you know, yeah, and it was all in yeah. love how you know all the memes and stuff came up, but um, I, I
1: really I, think that that episode probably is what blew versus up. I think yeah, they would have been successful yeah. anyway, mm-hmm. but that episode because the, also, I don't, the people don't realize that they broke Instagram through that. Yes. That next, when they actually did the battle, yeah, Instagram couldn't take the traffic,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it
1: completely broke it down, and only 3.5 million people were allowed in. Now they can mm-hmm. allow, uh, Uh, some more, but it's, uh, it wasn't, it had never been done and it was mm-hmm. never intended to be that, uh, live wasn't, it? so. Yeah. yeah. yeah so it was, it was important for the culture. It was a big, big, big move.
0: Yeah, it was amazing. I, I was in there. I was happy that I got in and didn't get, get yeah. shit, shut out before it broke, but that that was a,
1: <laughs> an amazing
0: <Yeah>. music moment. <laughs>
1: yeah. So yeah. congratulations
0: on your participation in that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good or bad, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: um, so with the... The music um you said it was a data um, aggregator. Yes. How does that actually work? Like you said you guys you guys give the daily information on yes. sales and, and um streams and stuff like that. So where do you yes. get where do you get that information from? How does that information flow through?
1: So to tell you, I would have to sign an NDA to tell you uh, fully. Okay. Because oh, <laughs> that is that's essentially our our uh, our model, you know oh, what I mean? Okay. We, um, we're we an algorithm that is written to track APIs from other distributors.
0: Uh-huh. Okay.
1: Okay, so basically while the other distributors are still putting together their reports to report at a certain time, uh-huh. they allow a lot of that information um, online and, and allow other people to tap into their API to report it their own way. Mm-hmm. And so we just do it uh, in a more efficient, and um, the kind of frequent way.
0: hmm mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. okay, yeah, I remember back in the day getting that information through Billboard magazine where you had the actual mm-hmm. magazine in hand and, and mm-hmm. you would see all mm-hmm. the chart stuff and all that. That's like one of the things of, the, of, of yesteryear that's Sorry. gone.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And another thing, you know what I wish somebody would do, I don't know if it exists now, but um, we need like liner notes information online. Does that exist anywhere?
1: That is one of my biggest things, Roz. Mm. You're right on point with that. Mm. Why is it so hard to find who did what on a song? Yeah. And shouldn't there be at least one service that says, Mm. okay, if we can put out this song how easy would it be to also put out who the writers and producers were? It was, it would be, it's just a copy and paste thing. It's not even like you have to build it, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, we actually do that as well. So if you go to musicmaven.com, you can find who are the writers uh, on each song. We're going to find a more streamlined way of uh, promoting that side because Mm -hmm. it's so hard to find. But uh, for now we do have it. um, Oh, also too, for the listeners, if you go to the site, uh, we're only reporting about 20% of what our algorithm is actually reporting. So in six months, this will be a fully blown out. You will find data that you have no idea what to do with. Oh, wow. So, cool. cause we don't know what to do with it yet. We're, we're getting it, <laughs> but we're only reporting streams and sales. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That whole, you know, the liner notes with all the music information, like, you know, right. I hear a song today. I want to know, well, who played the flute you know exactly exactly (laughs) ain't nobody playing no flutes these days but you know (laughs) hey it might Mm -hmm. you never know Mm -hmm. it might be so yeah Yeah. and so um and so you guys also do you're doing the in-home concerts and things like that like what's who's next on your list for that
1: um, so we have a very long list that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's uh, in front of us. The thing is now is what everybody's really trying to see is what's going to happen with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what's going to happen with Biden and, and mm-hmm. Harris and what kind of uh, federal restrictions he puts out mm-hmm. to, you know, limit or open up. You know, who right. nobody really knows what his plan is. Based on the current trend of COVID, mm-hmm. I believe that if things are going to be shut down for a while, which essentially is great news for us, mm-hmm. um, but we've got her on the on on the on the books. We've got mm-hmm. um, a situation with uh, a lot of different you know record labels that want to do so like some overarching ideas where we do you know their entire roster, um, mm-hmm. kind of like a Sony or an RCA kind of kind of deal where. They're doing a lot of different artists. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an emerging artist um, thing that we're trying to put together right now. Um, so we, we have a lot. It's just really a matter of kind of factoring in what's the best move for, mm-hmm. you know, I think everybody's going to wait for about two or three weeks before they figure out where, where, what they're going to do with 21.
0: OK. Yeah. And you were also involved with music management. Um, are you still mm-hmm. doing music management?
1: Hell no. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: so you but you used to manage macy gray and layla hathaway um so what was yes. what was it like being in music well
1: management? so i was at stampede management uh, as a mm-hmm. as a staff manager and russell Roddell was the lead manager on both of those projects and um he managed a good roster of artists and really and needed some help mm-hmm. so he called um I don't know if I called him to pressure him or he called me, but we we got together and uh, he first put me on the Macy Gray project, which was a lot of fun. We traveled the world, did, I don't know, 250, 300 dates together, an Mm -hmm. album called The Way Mm -hmm. uh, that we put out that she wrote the majority of. And it was really a really fun time. And then um, I left the company because she left the company. And then about Mm -hmm. six months later, He called me back because Layla Hathaway had started working with him and he needed help again. And so I joined the team and started running kind of day to day Mm -hmm. management and kind of like tour support and uh, project management and things like that for her. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a lot of fun. It was just, you know, the thing is, is those are the good stories in management. The the things that make it difficult are kind of like the new artist things or Mm -hmm. the things that require, you know, believe me, it requires a lot out of you. Yes. You know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of you know, staying up late, late mm-hmm. phone calls coming up with ideas cuz as what people don't realize is in music in music management, you are really the hub. You're you're kind of like the executive over that artist's career. And mm-hmm. so answers about marketing, answers about social media, touring. All those things run through you. Product mm-hmm. product endorsements, all those things, all those deals, all those collaborations, all those mm-hmm. things that make an artist successful runs through management. Oh, wow. And yes, management is the hub for all that stuff. So you really have to be uh, nimble
2: mm-hmm.
1: and really forward thinking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I dove right into it, man. And I, I think I did okay, <laughs> uh, but it was a lot more work than, than what I do now, which mm-hmm. I'm really happy about.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's basically like you're handling their whole entire professional life. Yeah. You know? Right. and it's, right. uh, it's basically like babysitting, <laughs> you know, people use that
1: term. I can't say that because <laughs> I represented some grown-ass motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not babysitting. They had their own lives and their own problems, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. but I, I will say it does require you being 24 hour, mm-hmm. uh, accessible. You, yeah. You're you like a 7-Eleven. you just, you do not close. You're always <laughs> up and you're always going. Oh, yeah.
0: wow. 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 Yeah. And you're also um TV producing too. Um, I see that you did a show called Coco Cozy Design House. Um, tell us about that.
1: Well, that was a lot of fun. That was uh with some friends, um Colette Shelton, who's a uh kind of a blogger. Uh -hmm. she was an executive at Lifetime actually for a while, then turned blogger and started doing interior design. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine named Tiara and her husband DeWan started shooting. Uh, they call it, they're called Raglan Rain, shout outs. Mm-hmm. Um, they start, they produce the show and upon needing to figure out the plan to uh, get the show bought, I stepped in and became a producer. Mm-hmm. And we put out a certain amount of episodes on uh, YouTube and Facebook mm-hmm. uh, because we had done that a year prior to with a, with a football player named uh, Baker Mayfield. Shot uh, his documentary, full documentary, but we started airing episodes, short eight to nine minute clip episodes mm-hmm. on social media, and Fox took took notice and came and licensed the material, uh, and then shot and then aired aired our material on, on the Fox network. Well, okay. I wanted to repeat that same process um, with with this uh, with this show, and uh, a company called Studio Seventy One took notice and uh, through them we were able to secure the deal with amazon prime and it's there now
0: mm-hmm. oh, okay okay yeah. cool and what other uh tv producing projects are you working on are you have anything coming up in that area um not just yet i
1: have tons of ideas um things that i would like to get going i've been writing my own scripts recently mm-hmm. uh, which has been a lot of fun and just kind of discovering that side of my creativity.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so maybe some things will come up in the future. I take, I take things, uh, see this this world in LA is really all about connections. And right. if, you, if you're the person that knows the people, you can become a producer on stuff. And, and mm-hmm. I can always take on a project that somebody has, if mm-hmm. they're looking to find a home for it, because I kind of have some connections that can make that work. Mm-hmm. Or at least I try to make those connections if I don't have them. So. You know, that's how a lot of guys exist out here is, is really just hustling their relationships. And and I mean that in the most positive way. I mean, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You just kind of you kind of lean on the connections you have to mm-hmm. help establish the business you're trying to get off the ground.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. OK. And what would be like your your dream project to work on?
1: Uh, my dream project. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? <laughs> no, I can't tell you that. I don't have a <laughs> copywritten or anything. Uh, I, I I have something that I've been writing for seven or eight years mm-hmm. that I still haven't finished, but it's basically kind of like, it's not my story, but it's, um, it's similar.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's about a grind and it's a, it's a full length film, mm-hmm. um, and so now I'll leave it there because if I mm-hmm. if I start telling you about it, somebody going yeah. hear this and take my idea, <laughs> and then no, I'll knock that. them out. <laughs> no, we don't want
0: that. <laughs> so, what are you, um, what are you watching these days or listening to these days um, that influence what you do, or just just for you know your enjoyment? Like, what are you looking at on TV? Um, mm-hmm. What are you listening to?
1: Um, I'm listening to just about everything. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we, uh, we've been really heavy music listeners lately, uh, mm-hmm. because my wife opened a candle store in downtown LA plug oh, okay. LA <laughs> bam, bam. Yep. Um, we opened a store, a candle store here. And so we play music all day and I've really taken that opportunity to, oh man, Roz, fall mm-hmm. in love with music again and mm-hmm. really become a fan of music. Cause it's hard when you, yeah. when you've done it professionally for so long, and then when you've had your heart broken in it and mm-hmm. from it and as a result of it, it's hard to it's hard to find love for it again. And you really have to just take yourself all the way out of it mm-hmm. and just be open to whatever is going to inspire you. And so I've been listening to everything from uh, Gypsy Kings to, mm-hmm. to to Kanye, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to uh, Florence and the Machine to Chicago. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> I've been all over the spectrum and it's been a really, really good. Um, kind of reintroduction of of music in my in my life because I'm finding that, man, if if I, I wish I had started listening to other music besides R and B and gospel when mm-hmm. I was younger, mm, yeah, you know, I wish I was more of a rock head because I love mm-hmm. rock and I love mm-hmm. alternative and I love country,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. So I'm I'm not I'm not tied to any one thing in, in that regard, mm-hmm. and the same way goes with film. I can really watch anything as long as it's produced well and written well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. If you had to pick who would you say is your favorite, uh, songwriters or singers? Uh, um,
1: favorite songwriter would definitely have to be Babyface. <laughs> I mean,
0: yes. Bow down, uh, bow down. <laughs> yeah. I
1: mean, to say anybody else, uh, I think would be a little, uh, <laughs> He, I don't know what the word is, but it just wouldn't be r- 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 real to <laughs> to keep it real. He is the best and, to me. Yeah. And uh, with that, I have to say that my favorite singer of all time growing up was uh, was Donny Hathaway. But okay. the reason Donny Hathaway became my favorite singer is because my dad sang his song out on the road, out on tour. Mm. Oh wow! He sang he sang the song "A Song for You," uh-huh. which is if you'd ask me what my favorite song is, that's what I would tell you. Mm. And it would make you think that Donny Hathaway is my favorite singer, which he would definitely be in my top three, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: right, right under my dad.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is a beautiful song right there. Oh my god,
1: <laughs> that is the that's the song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so what advice would you give aspiring songwriters um, or aspiring producers or just? Any area in um entertainment because you you've been in so many areas like people that want to get in they don't know anybody they don't really know what to do what would you say mm-hmm. they should how they should start
1: well the first thing is is really figure out who it is you want to be and and don't skip the process mm-hmm. the process of learning don't don't skip it don't don't just try to throw a beat together on your laptop because it feels easy, right? Learn, learn a craft, learn how to play something. Appreciate music for its beauty and its fastness. Mm-hmm. You know, um, start from there as an artist. Start with really honing in on your craft. If it's your voice, if you're a singer, sing all the time. Sing every day. Don't be one of those guys that just sings in the studio. Mm -hmm. don't don't be one of those artists who turns it on when the cameras are on and then when it turns off you're like some weirdo sitting in the corner Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um be authentically who you are at all times and don't try to change or don't try to formulate to conform i should say to what's popular um because it's not going to work right and 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 look getting a platinum record and making a million dollars isn't working that's not that's not the that's not the definition of success Mm. definition of success in our business is longevity Mm. and that only comes with being authentic and sticking to something long enough where people can depend on it if people can depend on it from you and they want to come to you to hear it then you'll be successful and you will have longevity you know but but don't but don't get tricked don't get tricked this industry will make you think that it's really about oh man put this record out man it's gonna blow up Gonna be in this video, man. We gonna <laughs> ride around, whoop whoop. Yeah, you know, I hear all these things, man. You know, I've consulted every company from the ghettoest company to you know the most straight laced company, mm-hmm. and they all think that the pathway to success is is just a just a a, a click away. Mm. <laughs> they really do, uh, because the industry would make you believe that. But what you don't know is that behind a lot of these stories that look like they're overnight, there's years and years of trial and error and changing your name and changing your image around and doing this and doing that to try to figure out what's going to actually sell, mm-hmm. you know, and what people want to hear from you. People may not even want to hear from you what you think they want to hear. <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> so don't skip the process. Sorry. That's the long way around that answer, but just don't skip the process of, of learning and, and really, uh, becoming a full complete artist
0: yeah and respect the craft (laughs)
1: respect it respect it
0: absolutely (laughs) so tell the people where they can find you online if they want to check out i don't want
1: nobody to find me don't find (laughs) me leave me alone (laughs) (laughs) okay Uh, but if you have to find me you can find me (laughs) on facebook i'm on facebook i'm on instagram Mm um those are really i'm on clubhouse i would like to do more on clubhouse if anybody's listening because i feel like i do have a lot to share and there should even be a part two to our to our interview roz and i'll really kind of go into the intricacies of of, like what i was i was trying to keep it brief today Mm -hmm. there's so much there's so much and there's there's a conversation about every topic or every question that you answer
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely and
1: uh the best forum to do that, uh, where I think I could really help people and kind of mm-hmm. keep them from making some of the same mistakes I made mm-hmm. uh, is, is Clubhouse. So I'd like to do more there.
0: Yeah, but, uh, that's, that's about a, it. That's a great new platform um, yeah. you know, that just opened up. Um, but I think like the thing that people should be doing these days is mm-hmm. like somebody like yourself having, um, especially since everything is online now, having Mm -hmm. workshops like I think people would like clamor to take workshops from somebody like you so they can learn things like that I've
1: definitely I've definitely considered it Mm -hmm. I haven't found the platform that makes it easy for me Uh, Mm -hmm. it sounds like a lot of work to Mm -hmm. do it myself Mm -hmm. um But if somebody had a platform that I could join on and create kind of like a masterclass workshop, Mm -hmm. if you will, Mm -hmm. like a, like a not, what is the not masterclass? (laughs) (laughs) What's the one that you help people that you're not actually a master? in?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think they have like, I think there's a platform called uh, teachable. I think that's one of them that they do. Okay. Um, right. there's a few out there but yeah I think um, w- there's not very many of them focused on music mm-hmm. um, yeah. and entertainment so I think that's that's like wide open right there yeah
2: yeah. yeah okay I'll check that out <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right yeah. well thank you so much for talking to me this has been really cool uh, oh, a, yeah. a trip down memory lane from the old <laughs> Edmonds building <laughs> yeah
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> like
0: I told you. I appreciate I, you yeah, I told Brains, like, somebody should, we, we, we could make a movie about just the whole experience oh, of Edmund's my Tower.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's, the new Motown. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like so many memories and so much yeah. talent came through there. So it, it's, oh, my just, gosh. it's just amazing.
1: <laughs> I can't, I, to this day, I still meet people mm-hmm. that said that, oh, yeah, I remember you from Edmund's Tower. And I'm like, Dude, <laughs> do, do you remember how many people used to come through there? Yeah. You know? I don't yes. want to be rude, but you know, to remember <laughs> everybody that came through. Mm-hmm. Ew, I mean, I would know thousands of people because that's mm-hmm. how many artists and producers and writers were through there. Yeah, It was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much. And yeah, I definitely look forward to uh, part two. Just let me know when you're ready. And thank uh, we you. can set that up. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. Well, let All me right. know.
0: Okay. okay. Thank you All so right. much. Uh, okay, Rob. Thanks for taking the time to tune in to the Wordy Girl Entertainment Podcast. Don't forget to check out my blog at www.wordygirlent.com. That's W-O-R-D-Y-G-I-R-L-E-N-T.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at at Wordy Girl and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash wordygirlent and always remember it all begins with a single word so what are you waiting for go write